Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with immediately actionable steps, along with a wealth of wisdom to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome two amazing guests who came together as a pair, Elaine Lyerly and Karen Teller. So I'm going to tell you about each of them, and then we're going to dive right in. So as CEO of the Lyerly Agency, an award-winning brand marketing and PR firm, Elaine Lyerly has served clients in a vast array of industries. Over her career, she's experienced many inappropriate situations and learned how to deal with them while achieving success for her business and clients. She's a respected and sought after brand strategists believing strong brands are essential to building bottom line value and customer loyalty. And she served on many nonprofit boards and helped start two successful women's philanthropic programs. She is joined today with her friend, Karen Teller, who spent over 30 years in the heavily male-dominated manufacturing industry. Karen is a Boston-based investor, startup investor in women's led startups and has been doing that for the last seven years. And together, they're co-authoring a book, Outrageous Things Men Say to Women in the Workplace. So I'm sure you ladies who are listening around the world may have some stories to share with them as well. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks. It's really great to be here with you and your audience around the world. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. We're looking forward to having a lot of fun tonight. Thank you. Yeah, well, we are going to have some fun. So let's start, ladies, by talking about what inspired you to write this book, Outrageous Things Men Say to Women in the Workplace. Well, I think all women that are at work have some story to tell. And we deal with these things individually, and sometimes we talk about them with each other, with other women. And when that happens, some of the stories that are told and shared are just crazy. And there's so many common experiences. But what we found is that all, although we're, we easily talk to each other about them, sometimes we don't address the situation at hand in an appropriate way. So part of what we want to do is create a a more respectful workplace. One story that happened to me early in my career that really has stuck with me is making a presentation to a CEO. And my day-to-day contact, my client contact said, you know, the CEO wants to hear your presentation and your recommendations. So after I did that and made the presentation, the CEO leaned forward and said, ain't no GD woman. Actually, he said wench. Ain't no GD wench going to tell me what to do. And he got up, slammed the door and left. Never saw him again. And the company implemented all of our recommendations, but it was through the guy that was our contact that made it all happen internally. So, 
you know, that was a wake up call to me, like I wasn't prepared for, you know, and I think that kind of started me on a path that these things aren't appropriate. And how can we deal with it? And how can we share our common stories and come up with ways to handle these situations? Yeah, beautiful. Karen? And I also think that the Me Too movement happened like a long time ago. And then with Jeffrey Harvey Weinstein, it really kicked in again and the trial's going on right now. And so it, you know, kind of peaks and everybody's in the news and then it gets quiet. But you know, it's still there. The harassment is still there. We are focusing on verbal harassment because 77% of the time, still today, women are verbally harassed at work. And some statistics. So right now, one in seven women leave their job right now because of harassment at work and one in 17 men. So it's not just women. Men are also harassed too. So, so the subject is real. We want to approach it in a, you know, in a serious way, but use humor. So our solutions can be very humorous when we talk with women and we laugh about now what happened to us. It's, it's now building a toolbox that younger women could have that we didn't have, you know, when we were starting our career. So sharing solutions to the situations you find yourself in. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is that I don't think people realize, and and this show actually is being downloaded in 106 countries. And so I'm sure that we have listeners in some of the countries who are listening who have even further oppression, repression, and suppression of their personhood, of their personhood by men. And, you know, I think what's really important for all of us to recognize and understand is that, A, this kind of thing does happen in the workplace. I I mean, I definitely have my own story. One of my stories is that probably 30 years ago, maybe now, I was the I was in charge of a whole division. I was managing community associations. This was, yeah, 30 years ago, roughly. We hired a guy who was there to take care of the maintenance. And he started to be creepy in in the office, like wanting to be up on us women. And I was like, yeah, this is not happening. And I fired him and he refused to be fired. He refused to give me the keys back. He refused to be fired. And I ended up having to call the owner of the company, who was a male, and have him come down and fire the guy. So you know, this is this happens. These kinds of outrageous things happen and have been happening for for many years. So it's really exciting that you ladies are taking this on and are, you know, really giving an opportunity for people to access both affirmation and validation that these things are happening, but also access some tools. So so, Karen, let's talk about what are some of the outrageous things that men have said to you? I mean, manufacturing for 30 years, that is heavily male dominated, just like real estate and construction were. Give us an example or a story that happened to you. I can give you a few, but I'll start with a shorter one. So I was in sales and I was calling on a large manufacturing company. It took me a long time to get in to see this very important buyer. And I walked into his office and he said, well, you're, you're not fat. And I said, I was a runner. I was in my late 20s. I'm like, I didn't know what to say to the guy. He was a senior buyer. And the next thing he said to me was, well, you know, most women that have good phone voices are fat. So I just ignored it. Like, what do you say? That is a, it's just a ridiculous comment. So my way of handling is just plow on with what I knew and ask some questions. But I walked out of there just saying, geez, that's just really awful. What if I was fat? 
would you not have talked to me? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's just awful. But an, a, a, another story, I did work for someone kind of like your story a little bit. I was an accountant and I had a controller boss. He called me into his office at lunch. The blinds were pulled down. The room was dark. Nobody was around. He said, sit down. He said, I'd like to kiss you. And I said, well, Mike, you're married. I don't think that's a really good idea if you kiss me. And I stood up, had my hand on the door knob and was ready to run out of there. And he goes, don't tell anyone. Well, of course, I ran out of there and got to my desk and thought, I I can't let this go, right? So I did go to the IT guy who I knew didn't like Mike. And I just told him what happened. And he called, he went over to HR. They called the president who was on vacation. I worked for a small division of a very big company at the time, Scott Paper. And the president came back and fired Mike the next day. And he came to my desk and apologized. Oh, and and the reason Let me why, ring the bell for the president. <laughs> honest, but you know, the moral of the story there mm-hmm. is for everyone is to build alliances in the company. Mm-hmm. So two years prior to that, I became a runner with all the guys at work. So there were six, you know, seven women went out to run one day. We all had jogging suits on. I was the only one that stuck with it. And it really, um, you know, paid a lot of benefits for me later on. It's like going out to the golf course with the guys. I was the only woman running president, VP of sales. I got to make, move around in different departments because they knew me, you know, as a runner and as a person. So I think you have to build your credibility outside of your own department and where you work. Mm. That's important. And I didn't even know that, but looking back, when I know women and men have situations in work, you really need to have somebody senior on your side or know you. Yeah. Well, unless the senior people are Bad. also a problem. <laughs> And unless you're in a small organization, like, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from both of you ladies where you were, you know, in pretty big organizations, corporate kind of structures, the place where I was when I was experiencing outrageous behavior was very small, like it was a small company. I mean, who do you go to when it's the boss that's sexually harassing you? Right. Right. You got to go to the door or you, you know, you tolerate. So which is what I did for 20 years. I tolerated that kind of behavior for 20 years and danced around it. And and we, I think our generation, I'm going to just put me into that particular, there's a generation of women that broke the barrier of getting into the workplace in the first place. Right. And then there was a generation of women that we literally tolerated years of abuse just to like stay, to keep the stake in the ground. Right. To keep the stake in the ground. But ultimately, it seems that the generation after ours somehow got the courage to say, yeah, we're not tolerating this. And I'd love to have you maybe, Elaine, share a little bit about how you might have mentored other women, younger women to help them when situations like this rose in your career path. Yeah. So one of the things that Karen and I've done is we've come up with five different responses that seem to, a lot of the stories we hear sort of fit into these five different responses so that we can help women understand how they can respond and what's the most effective way to respond. And part of that really, it starts with identifying the kind of person or man that that said something that was inappropriate to you. And 
we've identified sort of three buckets of men in, in companies. And certainly, you know, there are all kinds of people, men and women. But one of the groups is called the Old Boys Club. And in the South, we call them the good old boys. And these are ones that really defend the patriarchy and male inheritance and that kind of thing. So those are those are tough to deal with. They're the pretenders, and I think these are the most challenging because they pretend that they are supportive of women, but behind the scenes, they're not. So the way they appear to their bosses is really cheerleaders for women, but then women experience things behind the scenes. Those are really difficult. And then are the great guys and allies. And Karen referred to these in her situation that happened to her that she had running buddies and guys that she had built a network with. So, and for me, the the example I gave about the CEO telling outrageous comment to me, it was the guy that I worked with day to day, who was a great guy who really made sure all of our recommendations were implemented. So, you know, if you can identify first what kind of guy you're working with, that made that comment and then determine, okay, what's the best response that's going to be most effective in that situation with that particular guy. But the main thing is we have to find our voices and we have to speak up. We can't look the other way. And to your point, that that first generation that blazed the trails just took it. You know, we coped. And we we got by, we got through it one way or another. And that worked at the time. But now I think it's really the time where we have to address it head on mm-hmm. in appropriate ways. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the book and how we can address these kinds of things in appropriate ways. But right now we're going to break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help if you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're well Welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. We are now up to 106 countries. Yay us. And we're going to shout out today to our listeners in Panama, in Rwanda, and in Cuba. Yes, Cuba. And we will be right back with Karen Teller and Lane Lyerly. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com.
And we are back with Karen and Elaine. And these two lovely ladies are doing this beautiful book together, which is titled Outrageous Things Men Say to Women in the Workplace. And you can find out more about them and on their Facebook page. And so you're going to go to facebook.com forward slash outrageous things men say. We will have that link for you in the show notes. And before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, really how do we address these things in an appropriate way and, and that we are now in a time where we need to be able to do that. So one of the things for me that I experienced, and, you know, I'm just telling you a couple of stories, but I remember when I was a waitress, like when I was a teenager, right? Young, young girl. And I would have customers, I would have, you know, the guy who was the road agent in the town, right? So all the town guys would come in, the police would come in, the road agent would come in, the, you know, town clerks, all the town people would come in. And this road agent, he like put his hand right in my apron, right? Wow. And I accidentally just spilled coffee all into his lap. Because, <laughs> hey... Well, Oops, oops, that's what just happened, right? But like, part for me, I'll just speak for myself. When these things started to happen, I think I went into shock, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's this shock factor. And of course, we were in an environment where it was tolerated and it was not unexpected. And it was almost like a bump, bump, you know, joke, joke, ha ha, locker room Mm -hmm. talk kind of thing, right? How do we navigate the shock as women? How do we navigate the shock and find our voice to be able to address this in an appropriate way? So either one of you ladies can take this question. Well, you know, I'll take it in that something that happens, a study was just done last year by McKinsey and Lean In organization that still today, 50% of the time, a woman in a meeting gets talked over. Right. And 38% of the time, statistically, they said the man steals a woman's idea. And I just read a book called Lessons in Chemistry. I don't know if you've read that or not, by Bonnie Garmus is her name. And I saw an interview with her. She's in England, but it's going to be a TV, short TV series. It's a great book. But the reason she wrote her book, and she's 64, so she's not, you know, just starting out in her career. She had a bad day at work. She said, I was talked over one too many times in a meeting. And she went and wrote her first chapter of her book. And now it's the New York Times bestseller. So it led to something really good. And she quit her job. And she's quite happy. But it wasn't because of being talked over. So, you know, we we talk to women. And I've said this a few times. People go, well, I never thought that. You're in a meeting and Bob, you know, steals your idea or just says something you just said, right? Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. What you say, don't let it go. Just say, Hey, Bob, thanks so much for endorsing my idea. I had no idea that you were so much a proponent of it. And I'm not done yet. So you have to nip it in the bud. Use a little humor. Say it with a smile. You know, as women, we really do have to use, you know, charm more than we probably want to. But it does work better than Mm -hmm. tears or anger. You can't shout. It's just proven you can't be a politician and yell. Men can, but women can't. So we have to we have to learn to. um, Use our voice in a kind way with humor when you can in a group setting, and but get your point across. Yeah. But so many times women don't say anything because they get out of the meeting and go, darn, I mean, I did that a lot. Mm-hmm. But now if I'm, I'm talked over, I 
I don't let it go. I just say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved your example of the coffee. You spilled the yeah. coffee. Yeah. And yeah. that is one of our responses. It's say nothing and do something. Right. And you did something. You didn't have to say anything, but you made your point. Another example of that response is, and this happened to me, I was in a, a new woman on a board. There were three of us in a very male-dominated uh, nonprofit. And there were some big donors on that board. And one of them at the very first meeting with the new women members made a comment about, you know, I don't think it's appropriate to have women on this board. I think they should resign. And he looked right at me and he was a very large donor of the organization and the leadership was all male and he's looking at me. So what I did is, is I did this. I took my middle finger and rubbed my eye. And I said, excuse me, Tom, I didn't hear what you said because I've got something in my eye. And there was this silence and then everybody burst out laughing. And so it it worked. And the leadership of the of this organization said later, God, thank goodness somebody stood up to him. Because he had so much money to contribute, he, you know, everybody kowtowed to him. So it took him a little while, but he laughed too. And after the meeting, he pulled me aside and he said, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well, that's another example, but it's the, the say nothing, do something. Yeah, well, and it's really interesting. A lot of these men who do these things you know, we're back in, st- even though, you know, we're making strides, there's more of a cultural support for intolerant, you know, no longer tolerating this kind of behavior. It still seems to fall on the person who's on the receiving end yeah. here to have to push back and set boundaries and be clear. And And I agree, there's nothing wrong with finding your voice, pushing back, setting boundaries, being clear. In fact, I'm a high proponent of that, and I help my own clients find their voice and set their boundaries and all the things. However, I'm curious if you ladies have come across in your journey of putting this together, is there any hope for the men allies? Like your example, Elaine, was, you know, all of the men also were kowtowing to this guy. Is there any hope for the men allies to start to confront and draw lines in the sand when this kind of behavior is happening? You know, I think so. And I think it's partly our job to help them do that. I think they're a lot of times they really have blind spots to it. They don't realize what they're doing or not doing. And you know, another one of our responses is is the velvet hammer. And what that is, is when something happens and you think the guy doesn't really understand what he just keeps doing on and on that you and I feel anger sometimes. I know a lot of women do. They're shocked. They're stunned. They're speechless and they're angry. Like, how could that person say that to me? So there's a pretend big stick you carry behind your back. And that's how you deal with the anger part. But then the velvet part is you pull them aside and you ask the question. You say, may I have a conversation with you? You get their permission first to speak with them. And when they say yes, then you say, 
you know, what you did, here's what you did. And I don't really know if you realize you're doing it, but every time you do that, you minimize me or the other person or the other women in the room. And every time I've done that, the men have been stunned that they ha- they haven't realized how they came across. And I've had men apologize for it and say, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Thank you for pointing that out. So that's our velvet hammer approach. But Mm -hmm. it's a way that I think they need to be educated sometimes because they have blind spots. It's sort of like a fish in water. You know, the fish doesn't know it's in water. And men have all this power and they're so accustomed to it because they grow up that way. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that they can open their arms and include other people so that everybody has some form of power too, not just them. Mm. So helping them understand their blind spots is how to build is one way to build more good guys and allies. Mm. Beautiful. I love it. Well, we've only got a couple minutes left. So in the last couple of minutes, if there was something that you would like our listeners from around the world to hear about the book or about one of your stories, again, possibly to help them to really get the courage to find their voice. What would you want to say to them? And Karen, why don't, why don't we start with you? Again, I could keep going back to not waiting. When the situation happens, be ready for it. If you can think ahead of time from your experience, even what you would do, what you would say, how do you react? Because if you are caught off guard, as we often are, you know, I I remember having in school a psychology course where the guy closed the door and put smoke underneath and he said, you're all just sitting there. What are you going to do if there's a fire? Like we didn't, we knew there wasn't fire. Or if you're driving your car and a deer is going to come in front of you, you got to be ready to, to not swerve, stop or hit the deer. So you're not causing an accident. Same thing with these kind of comments. You have to be ready, ready for them. Think about them. I'd just like to comment on what you were talking about earlier. I have met, you know, through golf, golf courses, just recently this summer, a couple of guys I didn't know, they were fathers and they were talking, Kevin, my boyfriend was telling about my book and they said, oh, we want our daughters to read that. So I think there are a lot of men that know their daughters or have big careers and they want to be supportive. So I think that's a really promising sign. They've told me some stories about their daughters at work and, and, and the daughters seem pretty good having to come back. So I think there's a lot of hope. I think there really is hope. And and the more we can just confront it, like Elaine explained earlier, quickly and kindly and with humor when you can. Beautiful. Um, Elaine, did you have a last little thing in our last minute here? I think we can't let ourselves off the hook when something inappropriate is said to us. We can't give ourselves a pass. Even if we say, what did you just say to me? And have (laughs) them repeat what they said. I mean, that alone helps them oftentimes understand that, wait a minute, I don't want to say what I said to you again. So we can't let ourselves off the hook. We have to say something Mm. and and handle it the best we can in the moment. And maybe it's not the most perfect way, or maybe it is, but we have to give ourselves the space and the respect to to do something in the Mm. moment every time. Yeah, beautiful. Well, and that also requires us to stay present and 
I think a lot of what you're talking about here is really unconscious behavior. So if we can stay present, we can bring the light of presence and the light of consciousness to the unconscious behavior and hopefully create significant change. All right, listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have the number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you and you are wonderful women. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.